0: Welcome to Oak Creek Christian Center's podcast. Our message today was recently recorded from our Sunday morning worship service. Stay tuned after the message for more information about Oak Creek Christian Center. And now, lead pastor, Kelly DeFore. We're in a series called Home Words. Home Words. Words that transform our homes. Because we all know that family life, things that have happened within our homes have either been a great blessing or been a real challenge for us. And I know that when we talk about families, when we talk about homes, I know that evokes a lot of different responses and emotions. I understand that. And I'm so glad we have a God who lovingly can help us with all the feelings we have related to family. But two weeks ago when we started this series, we talked about how it all begins. The transformation we want to see happen in our families and in our homes happens with hope. Hope has to be the foundation of that. We talked about hope means that there's a better future for my family. The better days for us are still ahead. It's not something I look back to yesteryear and go, boy, weren't those great times. But instead, as a grandfather or as a parent or as a sibling, we're saying our better days as a family are still in front of us, that we can make these moments really matter for our families, and our better days are still ahead, and that takes hope to do that. And we also talked last week about another key, the first of the healing words that we need to see in our homes that will bring wholeness and healing, of course, and that was forgiveness. And how so often family pain is the worst pain that we can experience, and how often that family pain lasts for years. And we're just not able to forgive when somebody who is so close to us hurts us. And so how forgiveness was critical to the healing of our homes. And I challenge some of you to have that difficult conversation with that family member to allow healing to take place through forgiveness and how critical that was. And if you missed either of those, hope or forgiveness, then I encourage you to go on our website, oakcreekcc.org, or follow us on our podcasts, because those are critical, critical home words that transform our home. And today I'm going to introduce another one of our healing words, and the word is blessing. Blessing. When former NFL player Bill Glass was asked this question, by the way, Bill Glass spent 36 years in prison ministry, spending time with inmates day after day, ministering to them for 36 years. And as he looked back over his 36 years of ministry, he was asked this question, and it was this What is our country's biggest problem? And you know what he said? It wasn't the president. It wasn't politics. It wasn't national news. You know what the biggest problem he he committed to? As he saw the deepest problems of our society within the prison cells, you know what he said it was? This was his answer. He said, a lack of a father's blessing. A lack of a father's blessing. In fact, he went on to say this. A kid who is searching desperately for a blessing will put himself in all sorts of contortions in order to get it. And here's something you and I know, that deep within the hearts of every single person, there is a longing for parental approval. There's a longing for that. And as we talk about blessing today and that longing we all have to know that our parents or some kind of parent figure has approved us and has found our value, if you want to follow along this message today, there's a couple ways you can do it. One, you can use the back of your bulletin, that piece of paper they handed you when you walked in and wondered why they handed me paper when I walk in. That's because that's the bulletin. And you can turn it over and there's a fill in the blanks. But if you're a smart device user. We, we use the Bible app here, the UVersion Bible app. And if you use the Bible app, there are ways to have the notes directly available to you through that Bible app under live events. You just look it up, live events, you find Oak Creek slash neighborhood church, and boom, the notes are right there. So I encourage you to do that. But deep within the heart every person is a longing for parental approval. And here's the truth we search for it all of our lives. And, and until we have found it, we keep searching. For that sense of somebody's approval, usually that authority figure over us, somebody to give approval. And if we don't receive it from our parents, then we search for it elsewhere, and our hearts are restless until we can find it. In fact, this topic of of blessing is so prevalent today. It's not just left for places of faith like churches, but Forbes magazine had an entire article dedicated to the power of a parent's blessing over others. A businessman or businesswoman and how they performed in their business, and the whole article was about this idea of paternal blessing in their life and how that directly impacted how well they carried out business. In fact, New York Times also did an article on this and listen to the words from this article. It says that parental approval can powerfully affect a child's future self-esteem, independence, and emotional responsiveness. The article goes on to say this that. Parental acceptance, uh, I'm kind of quoting from it, but they linked parental acceptance with lower hostility, greater independence, and a healthy self-esteem, and increased feelings of adequacy. Now, in case you're thinking this is just some kind of psychobabble that blessing is some kind of Dr. Phil or Oprah topic, that's not what I'm here to share with you today. I'm not here to be Dr. Phil or Oprah. I'm, I'm here to be a pastor of God's Word to tell you that this is a biblical principle. In fact, we find it in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis. We see this example of blessing, of parental blessing. Now you're going, but I'm not a parent anymore. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You have influence over the life of somebody. Even if you never had children of your own, you have the ability to bless. In fact, One of those people that you most have the ability to bless is your spouse. So don't just throw this away as, well, that's parent talk, and I'm not in that life anymore, so I'm just going to hit pause. No, this is for everybody in the room. If you're a grandparent, if you're married, if you're a parent, if you're an aunt or an uncle, if you're in a family group, this message is for you. Now, while a lot of the language might apply specifically to parents with children, you can interpret that to your marriage. You can interpret that to families You interpret that back to how you can be a blessing to your parents, even though they may be old and you've moved away. This message is for all of us in the room today, and it is a biblical principle. In fact, one of the clearest ways to begin to understand what blessing means is to look at this amazing choice that God gave His people. We find it in the book of Deuteronomy. If you want to go there, you can. It'll be on the screen for you as well. But in Deuteronomy chapter 30, we're about to see Israel enter into the land of promise. So you guys might know the story. They had been in Egypt as slaves, and Moses was sent to go deliver the people out of Egypt. And so Israel was delivered from Egypt. They began this wilderness journey in which God introduced himself to them through the Ten Commandments and living with them. In the, in the wilderness, the tabernacle was created in which God's presence would dwell, and Moses led them in the wilderness, and for 40 years they wandered around the wilderness. We see this in the book of Exodus, and Numbers, and so forth. But now they are poised and ready to enter the, the land God promised them, and Joshua is now the leader, and as they are about to enter their land of promise, God says these words over them, this day... I call the heavens and the earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Now I know the context for this was Israel in that day and age, but can I tell you that the power of life and death, blessing and cursing is still something very effective within our families today. Let me kind of break it down. When he said life, Choose life. That word from the Hebrew life, it actually means something that has movement. Because for the people of Israel, it was very important that they find life-giving water. And water that brought life was water that had movement to it. Water that came from a flowing river or from some kind of a well. It had to be moving water because water that's stagnant, you know, is probably going to be bacteria-ridden. Death in the water. So there's this idea that Life means movement, things that are alive move, and the whole idea here is that when we have movement toward God or, or toward people, there is life. And you know those principles to be true in your home, that when you move toward your spouse, when you move toward your children relationally, it brings life to your home. So he said, bring life, move toward me and move toward the people around you. In so doing, it is life-giving to those around you. But then there's this word death, and what death basically means is the idea that if you vision again, it's about movement, so if you, if you picture that water illustration I gave you, death basically means that somewhere upstream, the water source was plugged, that a dam was constructed. And the water flow stopped. And what death basically means is a stepping away from or a moving away from. And many of you have felt that death relationally when somebody has stepped away from you or when you have stepped away from your family. And in so doing, it was death. It created death in the relationships that we have with your family. And some of you, the truth is, somewhere up the river, the way you act, the way you're dealing with people, you have put a dam on any kind of life-giving flow that would come to people around you. And that's what death is. So life is stepping towards somebody and, and extending life to your family. Death is stepping away from or stopping the flow of life. And how often we can do that with our silence with our coldness. How often we can stop the flow of life giving things to our family. But then he moves on to these words, blessing and cursing. And, and in the Old Testament usage of the word blessed, it basically means in the Hebrew to bow a knee. And you know that culturally speaking, when when people would enter the presence of somebody greater than they, they would bow their knee. Perhaps it was a king or some other person in authority. They would bow before the authority. And in so doing, they were saying, you are a person of value, and I recognize your value. So there's just one aspect of that word bless, which means to bow the knee or to recognize the value in another person. But there's another aspect to the word bless. And it means to add value. Now back in the days in which uh, people purchased stuff biblically, so back in the culture of the Old Testament, especially the New Testament, we, we see this as well when you wanted to buy something, so you wanted to buy that new iPhone 10, right? So there's the new iPhone 10, you wanted to buy it, well, what would happen is there was a scale placed before you at the register. And on one end of the scale was the weight of what that would cost. On the other side, you would contribute the money, you would add the value to purchase the item that you wanted. Until the scale was balanced, that means you paid enough in shekels or whatever to purchase the item you wanted. So they would purchase in weight. Sometimes that was silver, gold, sometimes it was product like grain or seed or whatever. And they would purchase it with that. And so it's this idea of adding value. You keep putting coins in until it was obviously balanced. And so when we think about the word blessed, in other words, it's kind of saying this. I see the value in you, and I'm going to keep adding value to you. So, when we're blessing somebody, we're seeing their innate value and we're choosing to add value to their life. But guess what curse means? It means a deduction. It means that you're removing coins from the plate and the scale is shifting the other direction. And you know what it has felt like in your family when somebody has taken from you, and the result of that felt like a curse. See, friends, we have the ability in life or death or blessing or cursing to add value to the person we already value or to take it away. And how many times have we seen over and over and over again families collapse because value wasn't being added, people weren't being valued. Instead, we were asking of them, we were taking from them. This is why this idea of blessing is so important for us as families today. And it is clearly seen in Scripture. In fact, I I want us just to, in fact, we'll go to Proverbs 18, 21, where it really highlights this idea of the power of blessing and cursing. In fact, it says this in Proverbs, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Here's the question. In your family, in your homes, what is most commonly spoken? Words of life, death, blessing, or cursing. Because when it says that those who love it, that means those who understand the power and the, the potential that words have. Those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, they will enjoy the benefit of rightly understanding the power of words. And in our homes, the question is, if our walls could speak, what would they be saying in the home in which you grew up, the home in which you lead now, in your marriage, what would there be? Blessing or cursing, life or death? And maybe you're saying, well, that wasn't my upbringing. I didn't have that kind of home. Well, here's the good news. Today is a day of change. Today, for some of you, that cycle will be broken, and you will be somebody who, in a home you grew up in, maybe you didn't receive that blessing from a parent or an authority figure in your life. But today you're saying, you know what? I'm going to draw a line in the sand, and I'm going to reckon with my past and say, God, you're going to have to cover that. But I am going to speak blessing and life to my family, to my wife, to my kids, my grandkids, my siblings. I'm choosing this path today. And we see the power of that, really, in Genesis chapter 27. So go there quickly. I just want to quickly give you the story and jump to a verse because of our time. But in Genesis 27, we see the story of the blessing of Jacob. Here's the quick story. Abraham had a child of promise named Isaac. Isaac then had twin sons, Jacob and Esau. While they were twins, they were yet very different. Jacob was um, a mama's boy. Let's just put it that way. Jacob was a mama's boy, and Esau was like a man's man. He'd be on the front cover of Outdoorsman magazine. All right, you get the idea. They're twins, but totally different. And then this particular family, which we see, and it actually has negative consequences on, on Isaac's family, is that Isaac tends to favor Esau, and Rebecca tends to favor Jacob. And so we have kind of a, a house divided by favorites. Well, you might recall earlier and before Genesis 27, there's this little story of where Esau, who was a hunter, was out hunting. and it must have been like a typical Oregonian hunter, didn't fill his tag. He came back, he didn't have any venison, had nothing to eat, and he was starving comes into the house and Jacob, mama's boy, is doing the latest episode of the Food Network, making some lentil, talking nicely to the camera about all of his ingredients he's adding in, and in walks Esau. And Esau's going to die if he doesn't have some of this soup now. And Jacob, being the bit of a deceiver that he is, has an idea. I will sell you a, a, a bowl of soup for the rights of your firstborn. See, Jacob... And Esau, though they were twins, Esau came out first. So he would get the rights as the firstborn son. And in the Old Testament history, that, that right that came to the firstborn was important. It was, a, not, it was, a, it was financial, but it was also very much a, a blessing of their future. And there was power in the patriarchal blessings of the Old Testament. When, when they would speak over their sons, it happened. They almost spoke prophetically over their children, and it took place. So this blessing was very important, but Esau exchanged all of that for a bowl of stew, for his appetites. And boy, isn't there a sermon there that I can't preach right now about what we choose to give up for the sake of our own misguided appetites in life. But we'll fast forward the story. So he already exchanged it for a soup. He ate the soup. Years later, we pick up this story. It says in Genesis 27, in the opening passage, it says that Isaac was now old and his eyesight was failing him. And he knew his days were coming to an end, so he wanted to call his son Esau, the oldest, in to receive the blessing. He says, so go out and hunt and make me some tasty food and bring it to me that I might bless you. So Esau goes off to hunt to give, receive this much-wanted blessing of the father. So he leaves. Rebecca, here's the story. The interchange between Isaac. And Esau, and thinks of her son Jacob, and says, Jacob, here's the deal, your father's going to give the blessing to Esau, so we're going to disguise you, we're going to make some food, and you're going to sneak in, pretend to be Esau, and receive that blessing from your father. That's how important this blessing was, people, in that day and age, and still is today. And so he disguised himself, he put, he put some animal skin on his arms and his neck, and he put on his, Esau's clothes so he would smell like him, and made the food, came in presented the food to his father, Isaac. And his father wasn't real sure initially that this was indeed Esau. In fact, a little bit later in the the, the chapter, you'll notice that it says, you feel like Esau, but you sound like Jacob. And we have some deception here. Now, the reality is, who actually deserved the blessing of the firstborn? Who deserved it? Esau exchanged it what? A bowl of soup. The reality is, this blessing does belong to Jacob. Now, they were being a bit deceptive in how they were going about getting it, but the reality is, Esau gave this up a long time ago. But in comes Jacob and Esau, and I want you to look here at verse 25 of 27. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat so I may give you my blessing. And Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he drank some of the wine. And then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. And may the sons of your mother bow down to you. And may those you curse be cursed. And those who bless you be blessed. And after Isaac finished blessing and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too had prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. And he said to him, my father, sit up and eat some of my games. You may give me your blessing. And his father Isaac asked him, who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate Just before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. And when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. Those words still echo throughout humanity today. As there are countless men and women who in this world are saying, somebody bless me, somebody speak over my life. Because maybe it didn't happen at home with your parents. But somebody, please bless me. And so we see in this example the power of blessing and how that's a universal longing of every human heart. In fact, we see it in the preschool child who says, watch me, Daddy. Or who brings home a craft and says, looky, Mommy, what I made for you. And they're looking what? They're looking for that approval, that value, that blessing. We see it in the, in, in the elementary age child when they're playing sports and they keep looking over to the stadiums to Mom and Dad to find approval. Or the kid who's singing in the winter musical at school and keeps looking at mom and dad and waving and and trying to get some kind of interaction that they're valued. We see it in the teenager, prom night, putting on the dress or the tuxedo, comes out to mom and dad and asks, how do I look? What are they wanting? They're wanting approval. They're wanting value. They're wanting a blessing. We see it in the now adult child who is married And wants to show mom and dad the new house they just bought. Wants to show the parents the newborn that was just born. Why? It's approval. It's value. It's I'm needing something from you. We see it in the spouse. Who wants to just sit by you. Or the spouse who wants to have dinner with you. I want you to value me. Everybody is longing for this sense of somebody bless me, somebody add value to my life. So what is this idea of blessing? We see right here is a kind of a definition for us to work with today, and it's in your notes. The blessing is spoken words supported by intentional actions that adds value, boosts confidence, affirms purpose, and casts vision in the life of another. And how many know those are all things that we need? We need to have value. We need to have confidence. We need to have purpose. We need to have a sense of vision for our life. And the grounds in which these things are made is in the blessing that others have over our life. People of influence. Let's kind of break it down. Because this, this is so critical. We're going to kind of break it down here. What is the formula for blessing? And we see it in Genesis 27. We also see it in the blessing of Jacob as he blesses his sons. Uh, We see it when Jacob blesses Joseph's sons. We see the same things taking place, and here it is. The first one is this, to be committed, to be committed. The first step in the formula of blessing people is be committed to it. You know what, friends? We need to be intentional when it comes to how we speak to other people. Parents, I know that life gets busy. You have young kids at home. You're going everywhere, a hundred different directions, and there's hardly, scarcely any time to be intentional about building value into your children. The conversations you have in the car between sporting events or lessons and dinner at the drive-thru, those aren't the words of blessing. So how intentional. For Isaac, he knew his day was coming to an end and he intentionally said, Esau, get ready. I want to bless you. He had intention to do it. And so friends, we have to be committed to do this. And that might mean that we're setting up environments for our children, for our spouse, for our family to be blessed. We're throwing resource to this. We're helping to make sure that they have a good start in life. And how often is that most important when it comes to our spirituality? We'll come back to that theme here in a moment. Also, there needs to be lovingly touch. A lovingly touch involved in blessing. Which means meaningful touch. Every blessing that we see in the Old Testament had touch attached to it. And friends, we cannot underestimate the value of touch. Some of you grew up in a home where the only touch you received from a father was a touch of discipline. And all you wanted really was a hand on the shoulder or a hug or a handshake, but all you recall experiencing was the firm hand of discipline. And while it was a hand at least, it wasn't life-giving at times. But how powerful, meaningful touch, loving touch can be I tell you, we do a camp every year for foster kids, kids of abuse, who've been touched inappropriately. And when it's our privilege at camp to be with these kids, we put a hand on their shoulder and we lovingly touch them to show them the value that we're adding to their life. This is the value of touch. It's already been proven to lower blood pressure. It's been proven to increase a sense of intimacy, not just sexually, friends, don't go there, but a sense of intimacy, of closeness, when we're touching somebody. How are you touching those around you? I mean, within boundary, okay? Come on, within boundary. But when it comes to your own kids, isn't it amazing how we are so, when it comes to physical touch, we are so constipated, especially as men. We just don't know what to do. How how long is it okay to hug my child? When does it become inappropriate? We, we, We just get hung up on stuff that really isn't worth getting hung up on. The power of touch And the difference that it can make in a sense of blessing. In fact, here's something I want you to hear. Dr. Ross Campbell, who co-wrote a great book, I'd encourage you to read it, called The Blessing. It's a whole entire book dedicated to how to bless others. It's called The Blessing. Doctors John Trent and Ross Campbell wrote it together. But listen to what he's discovered. Men and women in prostitution began their involvement with a desire to be touched and to be held. And he adds this, in all of my reading and experience, I have never known one sexually disoriented person who had warm, loving, affectionate father. Meaningful touch is critical. And it's part of the blessing. Laying on of hands or giving a hug. You notice with Isaac, it seems kind of weird. Come kiss me. We look at that and go, oh, that's kind of creepy. That's kind of weird. But there was this sense of physical touch contact that was so important in blessing other people and then we see expressing value to express value is part of this formula of blessing when it came to the story of Isaac when, his, when he was blessing Jacob he, he caught a, a smell of his clothes and he said ah the smell of my son is like the smell of a field now we might look at that and go that's weird I've smelt some fields. I'm not sure if that's a compliment or if that's a, you know, a negative. No, reality is, agriculturally, this was a big deal for them. The fields were everything. And what he was saying is, when I smell my son, I smell the smell of provision, of blessing. Today we might say, son, when I, when I consider you, it's like the smell of a brand new car with leather interior. I mean, you get the idea, right? It's something of value something that equates to today. And it's a sense that I'm placing a value on you. And at the heart of every blessing, especially for parents, is this idea that we care about you, that you are valuable to us, that you're special and you're unique. And in fact, affirming that child's value is critical to their identity, of who they are. But these words of blessing are important. Do your words add to your child's life? Or are your words taking away do your words add to your marriage or are they taking away words friends are powerful life and death is within the tongue as we already saw and we have to learn how to express value and generally it's done through our words yeah time is important being with somebody quality time yes but words to express value are important especially to your children then there's the seeing potential picturing a special future for your for your loved one for your child for your grandchildren. And in Genesis 27, again, we see that, where he blesses him and says, May the God, give, uh, the God of heaven give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine and so on. And he begins to speak over his future. That you'll be blessed and your, and your siblings will, will bow down to you. The whole idea being, this is your future. How often have you spoken over the future of your loved ones, over your child of your grandchild? You need to let them know there's a bright future ahead of you. You know, for my kids, I pray with them each night. They love it. They look forward to it. In fact, they can't go to bed unless I'm praying with them. So I go in their room and I pray with them. They pray first. And they have a little memorized prayer that we've taught them, and I know it sounds silly, but they pray their memorized prayer. And then it's my turn to pray. And there are times that I pray that I speak over their future and just bless them. May Chad be a young man whose heart is dedicated to you. Why is that important? Because I want them to know that's what I see in their future. That's what I see over you. Do you speak those kinds of words over your loved ones? Words of future and hope. We love Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah. Most of us know it exists because of this one verse. When God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future why do we love that because it's a sense of identity and purpose and that somebody has a plan for my life how important it is that in our blessing we speak that over our siblings over our wife over our children i see what god has for you i speak potential into your life and friends don't just make this about a career Don't make this about athletics because too much today. We as parents make everything that we set our kids up for about sports or athletic stuff. Let me just tell you right now, you've got to speak spiritual vision over your children. And more importantly, they've got to see that in you. Because you might raise great athletes or a great career-bound businesswoman, but if their hearts are far from God, friends, we have missed it. We've missed it. The opportunity to speak spiritual vision into their life. And finally, you got to speak it. For the blessing to be a blessing, it's got to be spoken or written or something over the life of the person that you love. And again, it doesn't have to be, there have been ceremonies over history. We've seen them before. You see them in the book of the Old Testament. You also see them still in Jewish families today where a a child, a daughter, a son reaches a certain age and the the father of the household gathers adult men around who are part of the synagogue and the father lays hands on their child and speaks blessing over their child it's a a very important incredibly powerful ceremony within jewish families it still happens today and at that point that young man that young woman feels like an adult you've seen it in our own history here in native american culture what happens there comes this point where the young man becomes a warrior And there's a whole ceremony through which they become that and how that rite of passage is so important and how many of us have never felt in our life that rite of passage where somebody has spoken over you and set a future for your life because that becomes the foundation upon which they build their life. We've missed it. We've become a very busy culture, more more focused on self-advancement than we have been about our own families having a foundation to stand on and a future to look forward to. And that happens when we speak it over their life. You'll notice what happened. Isaac didn't just think it. What did he do? He spoke it. I know you think highly of your family. I know you think highly of your kids. But do they know? Has it been spoken? Well, they know I value them. Really? Let me just tell you, your silence does not equal blessing, friends. Your silence does not somehow get translated in their mind to blessing. Here's what happens. When there's silence, when there's fill in the blanks, then the kids or your spouse fill those blanks themselves. And here's the truth. We all view ourselves lower than we really are valued at, right? So what happens? They fill those blanks in with lesser than things. And if we don't speak it into their life, or just share it with them, then they're left to figure it out on their own. And usually, it is a self-defeating process. But if we can speak over them, share that value, add value in our words, then friends, they rise to that. So speak it. You might say, well, I don't yell at my children or, or cut them down like some other parents do, but here's the deal. A lack of negative words does not translate to blessing. And there can't be silence on this issue. So to see that blessing bloom and to grow in a child's life or in a spouse's wife or in a friend or a grandkid, you've got to verbalize that. You've got to write it down. You have to communicate that. And here's why I know this is so important. I get to pack my kids' lunches every morning. And occasionally I'll handwrite a note and stick it in their lunch bag. A little way to let them think about, you know, our love for them when they're at school. Last year, we were cleaning out Chad's backpack, and guess what I found? Every single note. He kept them in his backpack. Why would anybody do that? I have terrible handwriting. Why would he want to keep my notes? Why? Because those were valuable. And some of you still have handwritten letters from parents, grandparents, that over the years have faded, they've they've constrained a little bit. Why? Because you valued what that meant to you. That is the power of the spoken or written word that too often, friends, we underestimate. The power of life or death, blessing or cursing that are found in our words. So what happens when that blessing is withheld? We're going to close with this. What happens when that's withheld? Because some of you, this is your story. Kelly, I never had that growing up. What happens when that is withheld? When you don't speak this over your, your spouse or over your kids or within your family group, what happens? I'm going to give them to you rapid fire. So if you're going to write them down, these aren't in your notes, I'm sorry. But get, download the notes, all right? You're going to have to download them because I'm going to give them to you rapid fire. But here they are. Some people will try to earn that blessing. They're going to earn it through working hard. They become a workaholic who clocks away 80 hours a week at work trying to find somebody's approval. And they're going to keep throwing themselves at something, thinking somehow that will approve, and guess what? It never does. And in the meantime, that person's family is sacrificed by the hours they spend trying to find somebody else's approval while their kids are dying for theirs. They try to find it somewhere else. They try to earn that blessing. Somewhere, it's that second one, they try to... Find that blessing somewhere else, and friends, oftentimes, that somewhere else is not a good place. How I many of you know that your kids have found friendship among friends you wouldn't really want them to be with, but that's where they found a sense of somebody who I valued them, somebody who could identify with them, somebody who spoke into their life? Didn't happen in homes, so I'm going to find it somewhere else, and it might be in the military where they have a plan for your, for your child, your daughter. It's not a bad plan, but it's not maybe the plan you've had for them. They'll find it among peers who make bad life choices. Not choices you want for your child, but you were silent, and so somebody who would speak into their life gave them those choices, since now they're doing drugs. They're in a life of crime. They're behind bars because they had to have somebody who would say, I value you and I care about you. Some people, they withdraw into a world of isolation and loneliness. They just pull back and shut down. They want to close off because they don't want to become vulnerable any longer to those who should love them, who should speak life over them, who don't. So they wear their headphones and close themselves off at home and they don't want to speak with you. They don't want to be a part of what's going on because they don't feel like they're valued or I, they just they don't feel it. And if I'm isolated and alone, you can't hurt me. Or there's some people strike out in anger, which is probably the worst response, but it's real. Parents, how many times... Has the anger our kids pointed at us been really a cry for value me? Their negative behavior was a cry for will you value me? I mean negative attention is better than none. At least you're paying attention to me. So how many times have we battled behavior when really what our child needs or our spouse needs is value. In a positive way. They'll find it, but oftentimes the means are going to be not one to be like. Or oh, there's those who will wander aimlessly through life. Often the blessing is withheld, and that person enters adulthood without any clear direction for their life or any tools to help them to navigate it. Here's the reality when, when we withhold the blessing, then our children and our grandchildren are left with some very significant life questions that they don't know how to answer, like, Who am I? Number one question that plagues humanity is, who am I? Number two is this, why am I here? And three, where am I going? And the good news is, friends, a home that values blessing will answer those three questions every time. Because they will know who they are. They will know why they are here. And they will have a sense of purpose and destiny to know where they are going. You look at the Old Testament. You look at those patriarchal blessings and then you see them become a reality. But today we have a youth culture. Parents that are way too busy to attend to their kids who are asking, who am I? Somebody tell me who I am. Somebody tell me why I am here. Somebody give me a future. I don't know what to do with myself. You know what's happened? Nobody has spoken over their life, saw potential helped them to find it and have the resources to do it they're left fumbling trying to figure it out. Failure after failure, they try something they fail, they try something else they fail and their whole life has been a pathway of broken opportunities because nobody has set a clear path for their life. And I know you can't predict the future for your children, but you better learn how to value them and begin to see what God has done in their life and speak toward that. And through that you begin to say, "Hey, it looks like God's given you a unique set of gifts." Maybe what about this kind of a line of career? It's not, well, son, I worked in the mill 25 years. That's what you're going to be doing. No. Look at the God design within them and then help set a course so they're not wandering aimlessly, but they know who they are, why they're here. The power of a blessing, friends, is so critical. And even as I talk about it, some of you right now in this room, you're, you're going, I never had that. I never felt that from a parental figure in my life. I certainly never felt that from my father. Because my father was absent. Well, my prayer has been maybe you found that somewhere else. Maybe you became part of a church where some adult who cared about you took you into their wings and said, let me show you the blessing that you are. Let me add value to your life. Or maybe for others, you have had to let the heavenly father be that over you because You never had that in an earthly leader or authority over your life. So you've been, Father, speak to me. Here's the good news. You remember when Jesus was baptized? The heavens parted, and what happened? God the Father spoke and said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Why would he speak those words? Value upon his Son sets a course for his ministry that people will follow him and he will be absolutely validated. But you might be missing that today. Can you hear the Father say to you, this is my son or daughter with whom I am well pleased? Because he wants to speak that blessing over your life. It's often best done through caring adults, but if you can't get that, he will do that. Let's pray. Father, right now in this moment, We come to you with mixed emotions. Some who look back over their upbringing with great fondness because there were parents that were blessing their life. Maybe it wasn't super intentional, but they grew up in a home that blessed them, and they felt valued, and their feet were set on a course of purpose. There are other homes today where value is not being added, but instead there's being deductions of negativity in the homes, even among those who profess Christ. We recognize today, though, the value of blessing, and I pray each of us would feel this challenge as grandparents, as parents, aunts or uncles, or even a spouse to our other spouse. Lord, we recognize that we have the power of life or death, blessing or cursing within each one of us. And our home can be transformed and built if we choose to speak life and value. It's never too late, Father. Help us remember that it's never too late. Our children might be adults today with their own kids. It's never too late to speak value, to speak destiny, to bless. So help us, Lord, rise to the challenge and bless our homes, knowing that in doing that, it transforms and heals. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to Oak Creek Christian Center's podcast. We are located in Albany, Oregon, at 5775 Southeast Columbus Street, just south of the Mennonite Village. Please join us Sunday mornings at 10 for our weekly worship service. For more information, please visit our website at www.oakcreekcc.org.